okay, I've decided that I'm going to focus on doing flowers and like being a creative entrepreneur, but also knowing that I think it's just so important to be putting it out there, like how we want to see the world to yeah, be. Yeah. And it's been really great. It also just helps me feel good knowing that I'm using this business to help me make a change. There's just so many issues in Los Angeles that get dealt with through policing yeah. and through incarceration rather than trying to figure out like how can we stop these things so that we're not having to put all this money into yeah. it. I don't know if I ever had thought about like a world where jails wouldn't exist. It's about like how do we look out for one another. Yeah. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 627. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh, and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Cal Flowers, the leading floral trade association in California, providing valuable transportation and other benefits to flower growers and the entire floral supply chain in California and 48 other states. The association is a leader in bringing fresh-cut flowers to the U.S. market and in promoting the benefits of flowers to new generations of American consumers. Learn more at cafgs.org. The celebration of the 10th anniversary of the Slow Flowers podcast continues today as we look back at the sixth season. Our audio storytelling resonates with so many listeners, people like you who love local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and who are joining in the Slow Flowers movement as members, supporters, and allies. Today is the sixth encore episode of our retrospective to highlight one episode from each year of the past decade and bring the best of the Slow Flowers podcast to you. If you're a longtime listener, you might recognize these flower folks. If you're new to the Slow Flowers podcast, I'm excited to introduce you to them for the first time. Back in April of 2019, I met up with today's encore guest, floral artist Whit McClure of Los Angeles-based Whit Hazen. Whit McClure moved to Los Angeles in 2015, and she almost immediately dove into the floral community there. Her introduction to flower farming and floral design is rooted in connections made through food justice and the local culinary community in Washington, D.C., where she lived prior to moving to Los Angeles. Witt spent years after college working on farms, in community gardens, and in the nonprofit world, teaching folks of all ages and walks of life how to grow their own food. Eventually, she found floral design as the perfect blend of working with plants, crafting beauty, and collaborating with others while remaining committed to social justice in her free time. 
Ever inspired by nature's abundant beauty and driven to respect and protect its resources, Whit Hazen is motivated to bring more beauty in the world for others. I'm so pleased to share our conversation with you today. I'm going to add a few resources in today's show notes, other interviews and um, videos featuring Whit McClure. So check out episode 637 at slowflowerspodcast.com for those links. Let's jump right in and welcome Whit McClure for our Encore episode today. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to introduce Whit McClure of Whit Hazen based in Los Angeles. Hi, Whit. Hi. Thanks for doing this. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, it's great. We just met uh, at the LA Flower Market, mm-hmm. and um, we we're talking about all the things you're doing in your career, and the I'm most excited that you're going to come speak at the Slow Flowers Summit. Uh, so we'll a little bit more about that first, but let's introduce everyone to your business, Whit Hazen. Um, people call you Whit Hazen. They think that's your last name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, give us a snapshot of your business. Like, wh- how did that name come about, and and what do you where do you fall in the uh, <clears throat> the floral orbit of Los Angeles? Yeah. So uh, Whit Hazen came about because Hazen is my mom's first name, but she doesn't name. go by it. She uses her middle name. And I was like, well, this is a really rad name. Yeah. Should be out there. I'm going to use it. Oh, that's so. great. Oh, it's kind of keeps it in the family then. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, so uh, Wit is you, for you and Hazen's for your mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also it's kind of one of those names that it could, it, it could be uh, like a law firm name or it could be, uh, yeah. you know, a barista or a, or a coffee shop name. Nobody knows what, yeah. what it means. And that's what I liked about it because I felt that it didn't pigeonhole me straight into doing flowers. But as my business grows and if I wanted to grow into doing other things that involve flowers and other parts of design, it would be able to carry on with that. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but that gives you a little bit of uh, fluidity in all kind of creative areas. Mm-hmm. So you established this business when you moved to Los Angeles. Is that right? Yes. Well, within the first year of me moving. Okay. Here. And you were, tell us a little bit about how, how you put the business together. So I moved to Los Angeles. It will be four years ago this summer, which is kind of wild to think about how fast that's gone by. Wow. Um, and so my first year here... Um, when I moved here, I moved here from D.C., and so I had started doing some floral design before I moved, but then when I moved here, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do a complete career shift. I'm just going to go balls to the wall and make this happen. Embrace um, flowers. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to embrace flowers, and L.A. was really like a very fortunate place to be able to do that because flowers are pretty accessible for you know people who are just getting into it here. Right. Um, and so I did... Th- I. Within the year, the first year I was like freelancing with other people, just getting my feet wet in the industry and trying to learn as much as I could from different designers mm-hmm. and like what they did. Um, and also like in D.C., you didn't have the same palette of flowers to work with, right? Exactly. Yeah. You have a lot more here. Mm-hmm. Very fortunate in that way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of those things where I realized in doing freelancing that I needed something a little more consistent, and it seemed that the best way to do that was to freelance, but then also to do my own thing. Yeah. And I just, I felt like I had my own sort of story to 
share with flowers. So it was time to do that. Yeah, you do. So we were talking over breakfast about how you kind of slice up the pie. So talk about the key um, facets of floral that you're doing is in terms of through Whithazen in terms of services. Sure. So um, the main part is doing weddings and events. So I do that throughout the year. Um, then I would say another section of the pie is doing weeklies. So weeklies for different restaurants. Um, I also sell market bouquets through one of my weekly accounts. Um, What's the name of that store? Uh, it's called Botanica Restaurant and Market. Oh, okay. So, so it's a restaurant, but then in the front they sell um, different value added value added items that they use in the in their kitchen that they eat? love. Um, and so they just realize that the flowers that I bring in there add so much to that they're like, oh, people probably want this in their homes too. So started doing cool. that. I do um, I deliver there twice a week. And then the third section is doing like retail. So like retail installations for restaurants and different stores. That's You had to really plug into a, this community of creatives pretty quickly to have that much going on after f- four years. I mean, you just got out and started meeting people and and volunteering or yeah just just I know you've met other other designers too right Mm -hmm. yeah and I felt like you know fortunately in LA there's so much creative energy here there's so many people who are like trying to do things um there's not a lack of that it's more so like finding people just finding the right people yeah. who you, your style and what you're trying to put down. People who there get match. people who get your vision and and can align with you. Mm-hmm. Like I would imagine, like a photographer or for someone who's who's in the fashion industry, or like you've got to find people who have your same aesthetic. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Mm, that's great. Um, what are some of the fun uh, in like styling retail things that you've done? I know you've done like openings uh, for for chains and that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, last summer, a fun one that I got to do was for this like nitrogen ice cream shop, <laughs> like nitrogen who would, ice cream concept. Who would think flowers would belong there, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> but it worked because, um, part of their concept is that they have a rotating list of seasonal flavors. And so I did a couple of installs for whenever they would announce their new flavors. So it kind of works, you know, seasonal flowers and seasonal ice cream flavors. I can get, I can follow, I can embrace that. Yeah. (laughs) That's so fun. And then your um, wedding and events work, is that pretty much in LA or do you go outside of the city or? It's pretty much in LA. LA and like, um, you know, beach weddings are so popular Mm -hmm. here. So like on the West side in Malibu, um, we're in Long Beach, but yeah, in general in LA. Yeah. And you were saying you work out of a studio at home Mm -hmm. and then you have a couple key designers that you also freelance for. So you're kind of getting to know the, the whole, I don't know, the whole machine of weddings here. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to like being able to freelance on the side because, um, one, I feel like as a result, then I have other people who freelance. So when I need help, we're all able, you know, it's like a yeah. nice little pocket community mm-hmm. to pull from. Be like, oh, I have this going on. Can you help me? And vice versa. So, yeah. um, Do you have a cooler or does that limit you not having a cooler? So I have like a uh, air conditioning unit that I've rigged. In- <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one who's done yeah. this. <laughs> I mean, I learned it from a designer who I was freelancing with. She was like, my first couple of years, like I had a air conditioning unit that I like just slept in the room with the flower. <laughs> Yeah, gotta do what you gotta do Absolutely. to make your dreams happen. Absolutely. So. <laughs> I, I mean, and it's probably all winter. You don't need a cooler at all. Yeah, it's mostly you know, 
I guess that time is about to approach very soon, <laughs> but it's like those days when it just like gets up to 90 and, and you have a beach wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we met originally with just because you somehow came into my feed on Instagram and I, I was so enchanted with, as I told you before, I love your palette. I love the way your eye sees color just somewhat uniquely from this sea of blush that we're all swimming in. And I just started following you and thinking, oh, she's cool. I want to know her. (laughs) So um, your aesthetic, how would you describe your aesthetic? I don't want to mischaracterize it. I would say, I mean, colorful, Mm -hmm. bold, whimsical, um, yeah, I feel like that's pretty much what, how I would usually yeah, describe it. not formalness. It. I mean, someone asked you for like a compact formal ball of roses. Would you even take that wedding? I would, but I wouldn't post about it. <laughs> yeah. Like I would have put it out there as that being what I do. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's not necessarily the kind of work that I'm trying to bring in. Yeah. Um, but you know. Yeah, we all have to pay our bills. Exactly. So you're, um, you're, I wasn't clear when I first started following you if you were intentionally trying to buy or source from local farms or seasonal, but it became clear to me that those would seem to be the, some of the, the that's some of the best work that you're designing. You're not 100% only local or only mm-hmm. California grown, are you, from your sourcing? No, I'm not. Um, it's hard to, it's weird being in Los Angeles, I feel like, and being able to source 100%. I think because of the heat, it's just so... In the summer, it gets so hot. And the real estate in the area is just so expensive. Yeah. I feel like being able to be a small flower producer um, seems to be difficult. It's definitely something that I'm personally interested really? in. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, About doing some growing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that's, like, the things that I've noticed as being... The, the barriers. Mm-hmm. But buying at, like, the L.A. flower market, how are you pretty much able to determine where everything's coming from? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, like, all the vendors there, like, they'll tell, I can ask them and they can tell me, like, oh, yeah, this is from California. Or they're like, no, this is an import. And some yeah. vendors um, or wholesalers at the market, you know, they are solely import. You know, yeah. they don't have very much local products. Yeah, and others are a little bit more uh, overt about it. Mm-hmm. But you often, when you post uh, your bouquets, you often comment about this being seasonal or local. Mm-hmm. So it's it's part of your brand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I definitely want my brand to be one of those that's having that conversation mm-hmm. and just helping people realize, because, you know, I think before I came across your podcast, I hadn't really thought about it mm-hmm. at all. I had known about like the local food movement, but hadn't really thought about flowers, you know, and how that really needed to be part of the conversation too. Well, since you brought up the local food movement, let's talk a little bit about your path to floral because it didn't, it start in, in the food world somehow. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So like I said, before I moved to Los Angeles, I was living in DC. Um, and when I lived in DC, I had slew of different jobs, I would say, (laughs) you know, an exploratory career path being in my 20s. You tried everything on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so part of that was working in uh, the nonprofit world. And I did that around local food and community gardening and giving, um, figuring out ways to help different neighborhoods, like low-income neighborhoods and folks living in those communities figure out how to be able to grow healthy food because having access to healthy food is such an issue. Like, I mean, it's an issue around the country, um, but particularly in urban areas where the population density is there, 
but the density of like nutrition is very lacking. Right. Do you, um, what terms do you like to use to describe? I mean, I've heard food desert, but mm-hmm. maybe it's more like a nutrition desert. Yeah, it's you know that's a good point. I think that um, I also have heard the term. I think this was from Leah. Who was on your podcast yes. previously? Lena food apartment, yeah, yeah uh, apartheid, which is also because it is like it's not just a happenstance sort of thing. It is very intentional and very yeah. systemic. How kind of like redlining? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you're also you're you're creating community garden programs in neighborhoods that maybe people don't own the land that they're gardening on, but there's some kind of nonprofit that partners with the community mm-hmm. to provide plots or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So the particular um, group that I was working with in D.C. is called Beach Street Gardens. They're still around. Um, oh, yeah. And so the way that they would do it is, um, as an organization, we would partner with an already longstanding organization within the community. So, like, they already had, like, financial support they already had community involvement so we would partner with them um and a lot of times they if it was like at a shelter or something already had the building already had the space really just needed like the resources the knowledge and the resources around like how to get things started yeah like they needed someone to jump start mm-hmm. a growing program yeah yeah so that's essentially what we do we jump start it give as much information as we could to the people who we're there on a regular basis because like the, also the whole idea is that we're not trying to be gatekeepers of this information mm, you know mm. like this is something that everyone should be able to know and i think like intrinsically we do all know like we wouldn't be surviving if not, if we didn't know how to grow food i think people are like really scared like ah, i don't know but <laughs> but somewhere in our lineage we had a relative who yeah. was putting a seed in the ground and not that far back you right. know like we it feels like very, I think nowadays we all feel very detached from it unless we're a gardener. Yeah. But, you know, like my grandmother was, she doesn't like gardening now. And that's because she had to garden so much growing up. So Right, right. But you're like, oh, but come on, this grow some flowers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I kind of had a little bit of that uh, too many weekends spent weeding, mm-hmm. you know, in those crummy, like, teenage years or adolescent years that it took me a while to realize I did like gardening. Mm-hmm. So. so you were kind of in that food community organizing world, and, and you somehow flowers became a part of that? or Yeah. Um, so it was very, so I ended up leaving the nonprofit world full-time because it's a very, it's a difficult place yeah. to be full-time. Yeah, it's a drive. Um, I think it's important for everyone to have their time, like either working in a nonprofit or in the service industry, kind of feel like that should be something everyone does. Yeah. So it gives you a newfound respect for, for people who are doing it mm-hmm. as a profession. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up leaving that to have like a short career as a dog walker. <laughs> All right. It's <laughs> and, funny. I think everybody has, has to have that career too. Yeah. <laughs> It was cool. I was a co-owner for uh, this company that was a collective. So it was a really cool business model. And I think, like, really helped me realize, like, oh, I could be an entrepreneur. Mm. I could, like, maintain my own schedule and get my own work and, like, learn the ins and outs of doing that. Um, But as a result, I still miss, like, gardening and, like, being creative. And so I had made – I had bought – some dried flowers from the farmer's market from one of the vendors that I would go to every week. And it was just winter time. And so I decided to make a wreath and I was like, Oh, this is, I'm like really into this. And I sent a picture to, um, a friend who is actually Sidra Foreman's husband. Okay. Uh, and 
I was like, do you think Sidra needs help with... <laughs> Was he in the culinary world? Or, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, until so we had that. worked together yeah. um, before. And I was like, do you think Sidra needs help with flowers? And he was like, you know, maybe. Um, and so then how that happened is what she needed help with was her. She has a beautiful garden uh, at her house. And so I was helping in getting ready to move to L.A. I was like, oh, I got to about to move to this really expensive place from one expensive place. Yeah, uh, really. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need to get as much money as I can. So I start on the side was um, freelancing for her mm-hmm. yeah in yeah. her garden yeah in okay. her garden then she's like oh do you want to help me do some weddings and i was like okay and then i was like oh plants parties people like it just clicked it's, all of a sudden wow isn't that funny mm-hmm. it's just waiting for you yeah um and so the move to la was that intentionally well obviously it was a lifestyle change for you coast from the cold coast to the warm coast mm-hmm. but did you have an idea that you'd be in flowers when you moved here I knew it's something that I wanted to look into, but I, I just kind of winged it. Honestly, wow. this is good for you. Yeah, it was, yeah, that's what you I need to do yeah. when you're young. Mm-hmm. You know, in hindsight, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> you had some faith, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> in your own ability mm-hmm. to land on your feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's. I mean, that it seems to have worked out for you. I mean, yeah. you launched your own business. Your website is beautiful. Thank you. Your feet is gorgeous and i know you're busy because you're always posting your work mm-hmm. right so it's it's balanced yeah and, and it, i know that you're um you're just building your career right now mm-hmm. and that's pretty exciting place to be it is it's been you know it's like it's, there's so many growing pains to it but at the same time and you know it, for me it got to this place of i can't always be there i just had this nagging feeling of you know, I need to do this. You know, I just need to try. Because mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, well, at least I can say that I tried. Right. But, like, just that, you know, when your soul is speaking to you and it's saying, like, you're not going to be content until you yeah. at least try it. So Right. I think that's wonderful because so many people have that regret later on in life that they did pursue something because their parents told them they couldn't or Mm -hmm. society told them that they couldn't or that it was, you know, being an artist is not practical or, you know, whatever it is, you hold yourself back. Yeah. And that's very much like how I was, I think, at first with my career and why I went into nonprofits because I felt like, oh, I want to make some sort of change. I want to do some sort of good and felt like, I don't know if art is like the way to go about that. Um, it's like it's nice to do and it's nice to have, but like it seems How kind pre- of frivolous yeah. to be focusing that full time. But but what a good segue for our what I also wanted to ask you about, and as as we pivot, is uh, your your ability to do make change and to advocate for change, and you know at, you know be a change agent through flowers is really exciting and that's that's a space that you've created for yourself through some of your personal projects Mm -hmm. right um how did that come about like i'm referring specifically to some of your instagram posts yeah um i think it came kind of similar to what i was just saying just feeling like you know okay i've decided that i'm going to focus on doing flowers and like being a creative entrepreneur i'm gonna do that but also knowing that like deep down that I think it's just so important to be putting it out there, like what we, how we want to see the world to yeah, be. Yeah. Um, and just feeling like also as this is my business, I get to call the shot. So like, if that means that that's what I want my business to be like, then I get to do that. Yeah. Um, 
And it's been really great. I think like it also just helps me feel good knowing that like I'm trying, I'm using this business to help me make a change. Yeah. And have a platform for things you advocate for. Mm -hmm. So some of the posts that you've done, uh, a lot of them have to do with, uh, turning flowers into sayings or statements or, or, you know, spelling something out. Mm -hmm. What are some of the ones that, that were the most widely responded to? Most widely responded to is probably, so last summer I was um, working with this organization here uh, in LA to stop uh, the jail expansion that was being planned for um, within LA County. They were trying to put, I think it was like 35, or no. I can't remember the exact... A big amount. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's millions of dollars that they <laughs> were trying... Add a few more zeros. Yeah, so. millions of dollars that they were trying to add um, for a jail expansion, both like the women's jail and like a mental health facility that essentially wasn't going to be a facility, but was going to be incarcerating mentally yeah. um, ill folks. Wow. So and it's just really interesting being a part of that um, because I like did stuff that I had never done before. Like I had never canvassed before. So like going door to door and like knocking on people's doors or like phone baking to get people to volunteer. These are like, even though I had had experience doing organizing, it was always, this was like me really diving in. Showing up and being present and out of your comfort zone, probably. Right. Oh my gosh. So out of my comfort. It's, nerve-wracking to go up to even though your neighbors you know yeah. there are people who live in my neighborhood it's nerve-wracking to ask like to interrupt someone and ask them because we're we having them sign a petition or something mm-hmm. or? Okay. Yeah, yeah so we're having them sign a petition so that um we could put on the ballot for the midterms uh just that we wanted it to um be put on the ballot that they would then have to ask people in the county like do you want this to happen instead of just having it automatically yeah happen. Mm-hmm. before so, just going through okay. like the board of supervisors they're signing off and then it happens so the petition was going to allow you to put on the ballot a vote of should this be uh voted upon in the future mm-hmm. so what happened uh our efforts worked and wow. then we stopped the jail expansion wow so yeah it was um but your message was really like why are we putting all this money into jails when this money should be more preventing yeah. uh, individuals from being mm-hmm. jailed. I mean, I, it's just so logical to me. Yeah, it's just like, this is such a large amount of money that, you know, it, I think they noticed that with that amount of money that they could build like a community center in like all of the... Every ca- neighborhood yeah, or something, yeah. you know, it's just... Yeah, um, wow. And there's just so many issues in the county, in Los Angeles, that get dealt with through policing yeah. and through incarceration rather than trying to figure out, like, how can we stop these things so that we're not have to, having to put all this money into yeah. it? Because it's like, it's not just expanding the jails, but it's like then having to take care of people when you're not actually taking care of it's them. It's this whole industry that's benefiting and it's, it's, it's corporate corporatization of jails Mm -hmm. so you uh just to finish that thread you did some beautiful um vignette floral vignettes that said no more jails and Mm -hmm. that sort of messaging on instagram that caught my eye and you know i was so impressed with that because it was like okay you're 
bringing this message to people who are looking at your beautiful feed. They expect to see flowers, Mm -hmm. but you're causing them to pause and think and read what you write. And often there was some kind of call to action. Mm -hmm. And I mean, did anyone unfollow you when that came about? Or not that I noticed, you know. And if they did, you know, it's just. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you're being authentic and that's yeah. what you care about more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really great because I think rather than losing people, I think I gained more track or like followers yeah, and I think you people did. knowing my work. And um, appreciating your, your point of view as a, like you said, an entrepreneur who can call the shots and do whatever she yeah. wants because it's your business. Yeah. And it's just like, I think it's important, like as entrepreneurs for us to recognize that like, we're not working in a bubble, you know, like the things that are happening in our communities for better or worse are going to have an impact on our business, whether we see it as being an immediate impact or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I felt like it was really important to say something. And it was important to say, cause I don't know, like, before that question had been posed to me, I don't know if I ever had thought about like a world where jails wouldn't exist. You right. know, I don't think it's right. just one of those things that's like so built into our system that I don't think that we can imagine right off the bat, like what that would look like. Yeah. So. I think the thing that I thought was interesting, what you just said was like the, the people expect jails and police actions to, to fix problems. And it's, it's such a glass half empty kind of mindset. Like, no, no, we all need to fix problems together that will prevent crime or will prevent, you know, violence or whatever, but it's not just warehousing people. Mm -hmm. I I totally bought into that. Like, okay, she's flipping the conversation. Yeah. It's about like, how do we look out for one another? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your latest cause that you're, (laughs) I don't mean that like that, that's not a very flippant, like what's your newest, uh, attention that you're, or item that you're focusing your attention on? Um, so I want to continue to focus on the jail issue because I think that, you know, it's not resolved. It's not resolved. And like California has like the largest jail population in the world. So this is like, that's insane. Yeah. It's really wild to think. And if all that money was spent on education, on early childhood education, on job training, it like, what would this state look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Women need to be in charge of this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you've posted some things recently about ICE or um, mm-hmm. or maybe the wall. I can't remember. Yeah, but. I made another one about abolishing ICE, and that was probably the one because. And I think because I did that at the height of, um, I mean, it's still like, at a height, but, but like right when um, the announcements were made, that was the one where I got like the most trolls you yeah know, fall, like finding me from haters yeah, yeah. <laughs> from lord knows where and like right. writing comments or and stuff um yeah but that's part of it you yeah know? exactly you can always unfollow them and block them mm-hmm. <laughs> or just you know i'm just like i'm gonna delete the comment i don't necessarily think that like a productive conversation around that can be had on an instagram no post, I agree. you know yeah I agree um, completely. it's more so like i want to bring attention to this for you so well, I want to keep talking to you, but I know you've got to get to your freelance gig. Can you just give us a little snapshot about what people are going to hear from Whit McClure at the Slow Flowers Summit? Yeah. I'm so excited. You're our capstone speaker. You're going to be our, our, our final presentation that leaves everybody challenged to maybe rethink what they're doing in their business. Yeah, I am really excited to come and speak. And I mostly want to speak about how to make our business be of service. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know that like already we're in sort of a service industry, you know, and we like in customer service is so much a part of the stuff that we do as uh-huh. floral designers yeah. or as like a wholesaler. Um, but really how to like deepen our commitment to making our business be of service. Cause mm-hmm. I think that it is through that like constant deepening commitment is where real change is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And relationships are going to be more authentic and, what your deli- flowers then become kind of a tool for that. Mm-hmm. They're not the be all and end all, right? Exactly. Wow, I'm excited. And you're going to do some uh, some designs too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Well, listen, um, I have a few bonus things to share on today's show notes. Um, I did a Q&A with Wit in the December issue of Florist Review, so I'll share that with everybody. And then maybe you'll give us some new photos of, of your latest work. Whatever you posted this morning, that bouquet was gorgeous. Thank and you. so we'll get some photos. And I hope you all come to the Slow Flowers Summit and meet all the speakers. And especially be sure to come up to Wit and say you heard her on this podcast and that you're following her now. And I just thank you so much for meeting me this morning. And finally getting to meet in person. Yeah, this is so exciting. I'm great. Very happy I got to meet you in person finally. Me too. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Take care. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'll be hosting an Instagram live conversation with Whit McClure today, September 13th. So check it out at Slow Flower Society on Instagram and you'll find all of our Slow Flower podcast 10th anniversary live chats in the archives there. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Storic Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. Save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot and an air conditioner. Don't have time to build your own? Well, they have turnkey units available. You can check it out at storeitcold.com. Remember, you're invited to share your story of how the Slow Flowers podcast has been an inspiring companion to you over the years. Post or send us a video tagged hashtag slowflowerspodcast and we may feature you in our Slow Flowers social media feed. Check out our Instagram stories at Slow Flower Society, which we will run for the next 10 weeks. You could win one of two priceless prizes. We'll select two winners among eligible entrants. The first winner will win a featured guest spot on a future episode of the Slow Flowers podcast. And our second winner will uh, receive a chance to co-host an upcoming monthly Slow Flowers member meetup. We'll post the details on social media for you to follow along and participate. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. I love all this floral goodness, and I am so happy you joined me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com. 
I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.